the hits keep on coming. The hits keep on coming. You got Mitch McConnell now complaining that Chuck Schumer is being difficult when coming to an agreement of how they're going to run a divided Senate 50-50. They're in favor of the filibuster. They're not in favor of the filibuster. The Democrats, now that they have 50, they think that 50 should be the rule. And McConnell, now that he doesn't have more than 50, thinks that 60 Senate votes should be the rule for passing legislation. Funny how the situation changed, depending which side the fence you're on. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast, the NPO podcast, as it were. If you have not already subscribed, please do so. It's very easy to do. You can do so in one of three ways. Go to either the iTunes App Store for you iPhone users or the Google Play Store podcast store for you Android users and search for the NPO podcast. Subscribe. It's free and you'll always be notified when a new show is added to the queue. In the alternative, if you prefer to use the Podbean app, which you can get in either of those two aforementioned app stores, podbean.com is our hosting service. You can go there and you can subscribe that way. It's free. Wherever you subscribe, however you subscribe, it will be free. It'll be a good thing. And we ask that you please give us a review because the more reviews we get, the higher the ratings we get, the faster the show will reach an audience. People will be aware of us and we'll be able to grow. We'd like to increase our offerings. We'd like to be able to add perhaps a call-in line or do live interviews with people, or even if they're not live, to be able to have a call-in line so we can do phone interviews with um, important people and then add them to the podcast. All these things take money. And the way you make money with a podcast to be able to do these things is to get advertising dollars. But you can't get advertising dollars unless your audience has grown. So that's why we need you to write reviews. In the interim, if you'd like to help us accelerate our growth, if you go to our website, nationalpreviewonline.com, you will see there's a link to a GoFundMe campaign. We have a few more days left to it. And you can make a donation there, and that will go right into our advertising budget so we can expand the show. And we're not looking for hundreds of dollars from people. Five and $10 donations are more than welcome. We, we, we humbly accept them. And if we start getting those, we can start growing the show even more quickly. So we, we thank you for that in advance. So... Right now, let's get to the business at hand. Well, a lot of things are happening. Uh, I mentioned that McConnell already complaining that Biden is going down the wrong path, stopping the pipeline, stopping the border wall construction. Reading from this article here, quote, according to McConnell, the president reentered the failed Paris Climate Agreement, a terrible bargain that would set us up to inflict to self-inflict major economic pain on working American families with no assurance that China or Russia would honor their commitments. In fact, uh, the U.S. has already reduced carbon emissions while China and other nations um, have, have stayed in the agreement, have kept increasing theirs. Rejoining will just set us up to kill American jobs while our competitors continue to roar on by, said, said Senator McConnell on the floor of the Senate in Washington. Now he's also complaining that the new president has uh, unilaterally canceled the Keystone Pipeline. The day one priority was to kill thousands of American jobs, including union jobs, disappoint our strong ally Canada, and reverse some of our progress towards energy security. 
This is a project that the Liberal Canadian government and Prime Minister Trudeau support, an investment in North American energy. Even the Obama State Department concluded it would not harm the climate. But because cancelling a pipeline project just feels like the green thing to do, the new administration killed these jobs. What are you so upset about, Mitch? You knew he was going to do this. What difference does it make if Trudeau and the Canadian government support it? That's not what's going on here in the Democratic Party in the good old U.S. of A. You knew this before. You knew this exactly was going to happen. You're just saying it now because it's the political thing to do, to roll up your sleeves and make like you're some highly offended, uh, staid, established senator. You knew this was going to happen the minute you gave up on President Trump. Instead of growing a pair and supporting the president, who wouldn't be in this situation, you encourage this situation. And now you continue to fan the flames against the president by accusing him of uh, promoting that riot in D.C. on January 6th. When I said on yesterday's show, no fewer than three newspapers and other sources have come out to say that now the investigations have revealed that these things were planned weeks in advance before Trump ever gave that speech. And the assault on the Capitol building actually began before Trump began his speech. So any suggestion that Trump's speech was responsible for it is ludicrous and on its face a major falsehood. So, but now he wants to flex his muscle and saying he's upset. He's upset. Other Republicans are in the news too. Lisa Murkowski, that cantankerous bag from Alaska, who's always been a thorn in the side of Republican presidents, has ruled out switching to the Democratic Party. Why not, sweetheart? She says she can't be something that she's not. We're not asking you to be something you're not. We're just asking you to be what you already are. You're a rhino. You're a Republican in name only. You're a bleeding heart liberal. We don't need you. Get out of the party and go over to the Democratic Party. Because I have a feeling that um, a certain person who used to be the governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin, may be itching to get back in the game. If she runs for senator, I think you're toast. And I will do everything I can to help the former governor unseat you. But there's a few things I wanted to cover today because, you know, a lot of these things that we cover on the show, we give our own take on it, but many people are talking about them. Uh, I like to talk about what other people are talking about to give my own perspective. But what I really like to do on the show, in addition to that, I mean, it's my obligation to speak about things that are going on because things that are going on are what interests you and what concern you and your families. But it's also my responsibility to bring to your attention things that are going on that are not so well covered in the mainstream media or even in the alternative media that also should concern you and your families in order to make you aware of it. For instance, Joe Biden and the Democrats are having this love affair with transgenders. So I want to bring up a few points here, a few things that are going on that I want to make you aware of certain things you might not be. He wants to let transgenders serve. That coming from retired General Lloyd Austin, whom the Senate just confirmed as the defense secretary. Yes, transgenders should be allowed to serve in the military. My God. President-elect Joe Biden has also chosen a transgender veteran to be part of the transition team at the Department of Defense. Yes, Sean Kelly previously worked in the Obama administration in multiple defense and transportation roles and became the first transgender veteran to be appointed by a president back in 2013. But 
old Sleepy Joe isn't finished there. Uh, Joe Biden also uh, has tapped Pennsylvania Health Secretary Rachel Levine to be his assistant secretary of health, leaving her poised, him poised, it poised, I don't know what you call it, to become the first openly transgender federal official to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. A pediatrician and former Pennsylvania physician, General Levine was appointed to her current post by Democrat Tom Wolf in 2017, making her one of the few transgender people serving in elected or appointed positions nationwide. She won past confirmation by the Republican majority Pennsylvania Senate and has emerged as the public face of the state's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Now, why do I mention this? Well, I'll get to it in a minute. She brings steady leadership, uh, blah, 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 according to Biden. She's a graduate of Harvard, Tulane. She fills all the right boxes. Uh, written in the past on the opioid crisis, medical marijuana, eating disorders, LBGTQ medicine. I'm going to make a juxtaposition in a little while between eating orders and this transgenderism. And this nomination is groundbreaking, blah, blah, blah. Well, the fact that she became the face of the pandemic response in Pennsylvania is rather interesting. Pennsylvania is one of five states where the death toll from COVID-19 was unnecessarily and artificially increased by the incompetence of the governors in those states who mandated that nursing homes take COVID-19 patients as long as they had a bed to put them in. So you take a nursing home that was isolated, had no COVID-19 patients, and you put COVID-19 patients in those nursing homes and thereby affect the indigenous population, which in nursing homes is comprised of elderly people already in compromised states of health. And surprise, surprise, they all drop like flies. Now, why is that interesting? Because while putting on this public face and supporting this insanity as a matter of policy, uh, Secretary Levine removed her 95-year-old mother from a personal care home amid a statewide coronavirus outbreak. Now, in Pennsylvania, it's very unique. You know, these, these governments have ways of doing things. In Pennsylvania, a personal care home is legally differentiated from a nursing home or assisted living facility. All three are licensed by the state, with the key difference being the level of care. According to the Department of Health Services in this article here, which regulates personal care homes, the facilities offer assistance for people who need help with daily tasks, such as bathing and doing laundry, but do not need medical care. Uh, I would say for the purpose of the hypocrisy being uh, practiced here by uh, this Secretary Rachel Levine, him, her, it, um, this is a distinction without a difference. And is of no consequence to the people in the state of Pennsylvania and elsewhere who lost relatives to the COVID-19 virus unnecessarily because the nursing homes in which they were residing were infected by this lunatic policy, which was echoed by Il Duce in Albany, Benito Cuomo, by Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, by Gavin Newsom, that useless piece of garbage in California, and by Murphy in New Jersey, along with this idiot wolf in Pennsylvania. Now, everybody's going to say, well, you seem to be awfully hard on this woman, person, it. Um, well, yes, I don't like hypocrisy where it comes from. Uh, I, I just abhor it. But I want to talk about the idea of even having people who are transgender 
in these positions. Because there was an article written a number of years ago in the Wall Street Journal, which is, although it's gone left of center, is hardly a fly-by-night newspaper. It's probably the most influential and respected newspaper uh, in the free world. And it was written by a man named Paul McHugh. Paul McHugh um, is a psychiatrist. In fact, he was the head of psychiatry uh, at John Hopkins University. Now, I'm, I'm not going to read the entire article, but I want to get the gist of it. Basically, the premise that, that Dr. McHugh was making is this. John Hopkins University was the first university in the United States to perform uh, gender, what is now called euphemistically, gender reassignment surgery, okay? That was the first place in the United States to do gender reassignment surgery, John Hopkins University. And it became preeminent at doing this. Back then, they called it sex change operations. They no longer perform this operation at John Hopkins University because their long-term studies have revealed that the people who get the surgery go on to have no more healthy or productive lives than people who don't get the surgery and opt for uh, conventional psychological therapy. And results that are no better than those achieved through conventional psychological therapy uh, are not a reason to amputate healthy body parts. In other words, the people who suffer from transgender, transgenderism, according to Dr. McHugh, who's far more knowledgeable than I, is a mental disorder. So the first question becomes, why are we putting people who have a mental disorder in charge of anything? These people look in a mirror and they're clearly manly and have a beard or whatever it is, and they see a woman. According to Dr. McHugh, and I'll make this um, argument so you can understand it the way he made it, perfect sense to me, they suffer from a body dysmorphic disorder. They look in a mirror and they see something completely different from what everybody else sees when they look at them. It doesn't make it right. It just makes them wrong. It's no different than the girl who's anorexic and starving and a bag of bones. She looks into a mirror and she sees a fat girl, but she's not a fat girl. And the answer is not to withhold uh, additional food. The answer is to give her more food or treat her so that somehow she's able to eat food uh, without throwing up when she tries to eat it. Okay, so there's no difference here. These people are suffering from a body dysmorphic disorder. And in point of fact, the people who get the surgery and go on to live their lives have a suicide rate that is 29 times higher than that of the general population. Uh, These are nut jobs, essentially. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's what they are. They're nut jobs. And they represent such an infinitesimally small percentage of the population that is almost insane and laughable for the rest of us to be bending over backwards, doing all types of political gymnastics to curry favor with, with, with a, a bunch of people who are better off being treated by psychiatrists rather than allowed to walk around and, and give full rein to their desires, which are ill-founded, and then worse yet, be put in charge of the lives of other people by being given positions. This is, this is a fallacy. This is a fantasy. And it's a dangerous one. But this is the type of thing that's being championed by your modern Democratic Party, which is nothing more than a Communist Party. They're trying to upend every sense of normalcy. Have you watched television recently? Have you watched the commercials? Hey, look, I'm live, live and let live type of guy. You want to do what you want to do, fine. I really don't care. 
doesn't affect me personally. As long as it's something that doesn't affect me personally, you're free to do what you want. You want to be straight, you want to be gay, fine. I don't think you should be, I don't think people who are transgendered or have a mental illness should be put in charge of my life. But you want to be gay, you want to be transgender, fine. You want to have an uh, interracial relationship, fine. I had many of them over the course of my, my life. I'm not against that. I don't have any prejudice against that. But I do have a, 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 an aversion to people shoving things down my throat, attempting to impugn their views on me, telling me that this is the only way. Maybe it's just me, but every commercial I see that shows a family or a couple, th- there's no more same race couples. It's always a white man and a black or Hispanic woman or an Asian woman. It's always an interracial couple. And the kids are carefully selected to look like they could possibly have been the product of this interracial marriage. There is no more all black families or all white families or all. I mean, like what's, it's almost as if you're, you're, you're screwed up, you're abnormal if you're not in an interracial relationship. I mean, this is a little bit over the top when they shove it down your throat this way. And this is the type of awesome power that the media has. But in keeping with everything we've been going over these past few days, what I wanted to stress today more than anything, and this is one of those things that's not being talked about, so I think I need to talk about it, is that as I said all along, as I've said for years, the United States is still a fairly conservative country. During the Obama administration, this country was governed against the will of the people. The Democrats, when Donald Trump took office, had never been weaker than they were when he took office. They had fewer governorships, fewer state legislatures under their control, fewer Senate seats, fewer everything. Trump had the House, he had the Senate, he had the White House, and most of the states under Republican control. The fact that the Obama administration had tried to do what they did really armored the country, which is why when he was reelected, he was reelected with three and a half million fewer votes than he got in his first term. Contrast that to Donald Trump, who increased his take by 12 million over what he got in the first term, which makes it insane that anyone thinks that Joe Biden really won. He didn't. But this is the narrative they give you. But what did I say could happen when people are pushed beyond the limit? When people are pushed past the point of endurance? When people have things shoved down their throat, when the Supreme Court abandons them, when the rule of law and equity is abandoned, and people are told, hey, you don't like it? Tough. Well, they either suck it up and say, well, I guess it's tough. Or they fight back. Now, you kids, you millennials who are out there uh, being told a bunch of horse manure by your professors in college and teachers you've had all your lives, probably haven't really been taught American history the way it should be. I mean, we hardly cover the Revolutionary War anymore. I don't think my son was taught much about the Revolutionary War or the Civil War when he was in school. So why should it be any different with you? Well, let me give you a little American history lesson. The 60s. Now, I know for all of you, that sounds like ancient history. Because anything that has a date attached to it that occurred before you were born is ancient history. But I was alive. I was a young boy in the 60s. And I grew up. So some of the most incredible events of that decade shaped my life. Let me give you a little history lesson on the 60s. It was a tumultuous time. It was the anti-war movement, the movement of free love. Many of the leaders that we had 
that screwed the country up in the 90s and the early 2000s came out of that era. It was the drug culture, the anti-Vietnam War movement, the peace movement. It was also, in the United States, the era of political assassination on a scale that you couldn't even imagine today. In the space of that decade, specifically in a space of just five years, from nine, oh, nine calendar years, from 1963 until 1968, four pivotal figures in American history were assassinated. In 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated while riding in his motorcade through Dallas, Texas. In 1965, Malcolm X was shotgunned to death in Harlem, in New York City. In 1968, Martin Luther King was gunned down outside his hotel balcony. And in 1968, the brother of John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, was assassinated in a New York hotel. Four pivotal figures gunned down. This is what happens when the fans, the flames of discontent are fanned by stupidity and rhetoric and people overplaying their hand, as the Democrats will inevitably do. And I greatly fear, I don't encourage, but I greatly fear that we are fast approaching the point in this country where if they try and do something stupid, if they push the people any further than they want to be pushed, and we're almost at that point, that we may see a revisiting, unfortunately, of what took place in the 1960s. And one of the things that could set it off is what they're attempting to do right now. The impeachment of Donald Trump. Opening arguments, as I speak, have just begun in the Senate trial of of Donald Trump. If cooler heads do not prevail and stop this insanity, I don't know what is going to happen in this country. Donald Trump is gone. I've said it many times. He is gone from the White House. He may not be gone from the public lexicon, but he's gone from the White House. And the impeachment of a president is designed for one purpose, to remove a sitting president from office. Once that man is gone, the impeachment becomes null and void. As I said yesterday, the Senate was going to impeach Richard Nixon. He resigned. No impeachment. He's gone. The Democrats walk in such mortal fear of Donald Trump that they want to do anything they can to discredit him and hopefully disqualify him from ever holding public office again. But Alan Dershowitz, the constitutional scholar from Harvard, stands ready to defend Trump. He is the foremost expert on the Constitution, and he says the Constitution is unambiguous and very clear in this regard. Senate, House, they have no authority over a former president as it regards impeachment. That's it. If he's not a sitting president, it can't be done. But yet, the Democrats are so fearful of Trump and so armored against him that they've allowed their their passions to overrule logic, and they're willing to risk an implosion, an explosion, civil war, anarchy, bloodshed, all to protect themselves against even the remotest possibility of a second Trump presidency. That is an act of lunacy. But what else should we expect from a party that nominated a man with dementia to be their candidate in 2020? So they can just push papers in front of him 
for him to sign, like the grinning idiot he is. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.